Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Would you please stand up, tell everyone your name, if you wouldn't mind, and one thing you are thankful for today. Just some nice thing that's happened today that you're appreciative okay. of and grateful Am for. I, can you hear me all right? Okay. Yep. My name's Cindy Waugh, and today Perfect. I'm thankful... Well, I'm thankful that I was late because I was uh, I was um, trying to be early. Yes. I left even earlier than I did last week, but the bus was late. And I met two wonderful gentlemen on the bus that were visiting from Germany. Germany. And um, they were on their way to the grotto and then to the gorge tomorrow, and they wanted to know where to get off of the bus, so I was able nice. to help them. Perfect. So that that's, was fun. That's great. Pick someone to throw it to. <laughs> Perfect. Stand up and tell us one thing you're thankful for, please. I am Karen Curtis, and I'm very thankful that in four days I'll be at Disneyland. Disneyland! Okay. Why, any special occasion? We're taking our granddaughters their oh. first time. First time? How old are they? Seven and ten. Oh, the perfect age. Yes. Anything before that, they don't really remember no. much, and it's just really difficult. Oh, that is ideal. They're going to have a great time. We've had California Screaming Mark on the height chart for a year now. Yes. So the seven-year-old has finally got Very it. nice. <laughs> California, that's great. Okay, pick someone. Throw it to. Right, ready? <laughs> Give us All your right. name and what thing you're thankful for. I'm Abby. Hi, Abby. Uh, and I'm thankful I didn't have to clean up the poop mess that the little guy I work with made this morning in his bedroom. Well done. <laughs> Everyone can be thankful for that. That's nice. Pick someone else. It's the little things in life. Yeah, right. Um, it's the little things in life. Yep. <laughs> can you hear me? Okay. My name is Camille, and I'm thankful for the rain that we just had. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Pick someone else. Uh. <laughs> I'm Justine, and I'm thankful for the rain, too, because I got to start a painting yesterday. It cooled down enough for me to get into my studio, which was nice. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. There you go. I'm Corey, and I am thankful that we have iced coffee available to us here tonight. Very nice. Iced coffee always makes an evening go better. Very nice. Perfect. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, my name is Garrett. I am thankful for being able to fix my truck. So. Who's going to pick? Oh, you can fix your truck. Right. I mean. Well uh, done. There were some brake issues with it, and I was able to fix them, and that's the best. Yeah, like Les Schwab said, oh, $600 to do this, and I did it for 30 so. Been there, done that. I just did my daughter's breaks. Yeah, seven plus, 700 plus, and after all, all new all new drum, all, all new rotors, mm -hmm. all new brakes, 150 Got to appreciate bucks. it, right? Okay, someone else. My name's Darren, and... Uh, Stand up, Darren. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I think, I think I'm grateful. I just, I, I came home and I was able to grab my wife, contacted me and said I can't make dinner tonight, and I was able to stop and pick up dinner. And yes. I was thankful that I could had the money to do that. Nice. Yeah. That's very very nice. Let's do just a couple more. Kay. You pick whoever you want. Here we go. 
<laughs> they're trying not to make eye contact back there. They're looking down. They're look. They're trying not to get attention. It didn't work, did it? No. Nope. Uh, my name is James. Um, I'm thankful that I only have to hopefully do this once. Yes. So, there you go. Very nice, James. Pass it along. A couple more. I'm Lynn. Um, I'm thankful we all made it here safely tonight. Yes. All right, Lynn. One more. Pick someone. Pick pick someone you want to pick on. Where is it? Anywhere near between the eyes Hello? is kind of the sweet spot. Right here. Yeah. It's My weird. <laughs> I get it. My name's John, and uh, thankful for. Uh, a job. For a job? Yeah, job. Nice. What do you do? Uh, <laughs> I'm a uh, operations management analyst. Operations management analyst. Yes. That tells us absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's a long, long explanation. Okay. We're glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Pick, <laughs> pick one more person here. <laughs> uh, I'm Sarah and I am grateful for this new restaurant I just discovered called Masube. Does anybody else know about that place? Uh -uh. Oh, it's got a lot of gluten-free things on it. It made me excited. Wow. <laughs> very, very nice. Hang up. Pick you. Pick the next person. Uh, pick yeah. one more. Look at that. All right. Tell us All your right. name. I'm Kristen, um, and I am thankful for childcare tonight oh. that we're able to be here and that there's two lovely ladies downstairs looking after our kids. They're the best, aren't they? Really happy about they that. They are like warriors. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Now, don't go away. Would you be willing to read that? What are we doing in this series? By the end of this series, you'll no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself and how you'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. Very good. Does that sound familiar? Perfect. Perfect. By the end of this series, you'll no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself, and you'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. What's the very simple recipe we've been using to make that happen? Remember? You find a guide, right? You do what they say, and you do it over and over and over and over and over again. And if you're willing to do that, and you're willing to look bad, if it means I can get better, then I promise you, I guarantee you, by the end of this series, you will no longer be limited by that toxic story you've been telling yourself and you'll know exactly how to do the thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. That's the recipe. I love simple recipes. And when you get really good at making it, the thing that comes out of that is, is amazing. Now we're going to look at one more thing tonight that kind of gets in the way of that, and then we're going to continue to hear stories. Because I know there are people who are waiting to come up and to say, here's how I want to grow, here's how I want to change, here's what I want to challenge about myself. Do you, do you guys enjoy hearing those stories, by the way? It is amazing to watch people stand up there and, and risk, well, they risk a lot of stuff. It's inspiring. It is truly enjoyable. So we're going to allow some time for that to happen tonight. Um, 
Here's what we're going to look at tonight. We're actually going to look at the story of two boys, the parable of two boys. We got boy number one, and we got boy number two. I didn't have names. Should we give them names? Got a name? Cain <laughs> and Abel. Let's, let's expand out, if that's okay. Cain and Abel, that's a good story, but we know how it ends. So, um, yes. Stephen and Jacob. Which one's Steve? Oh, man. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This is going to be fun. Which one's Stephen and which one's Jacob? Stephen on the left, Jacob on the right. All right, Stephen and Jacob. Story of two boys. Um, we're going to talk uh, about these two boys and... Let me get to my notes here so I can actually know I'm going with this. Oh, come on. Hold on a second. There we go. There we go. We're going to talk about two mindsets. These mindsets are going to be essential to see how Stephen and Jacob turn out. So let's kind of put them into two categories here. Stephen, on the left, how old are your boys? 25 and 28, respectively. Uh, Stephen's younger and Jacob's, okay, so 25 and 28. So Stephen and Jacob at 25 and 28. When they were, <laughs> when they were growing up, let's put them at, let's say, six or seven, same age that you get to take your granddaughters to Disneyland here with. Um, let's say you give them a test. They give them the exact same test, and they both answer the same number of questions on this test. Stephen, you say, you know what, Stephen? Wow, you got, you got this many right, however many that is. You got a really good score. You must be very smart. You're a very smart kid. Jacob, same test, exact same uh, score on that. You go to him and you say, wow, you got that many right? That's a really good score. You work really hard. Subtle difference. One, you're going to praise for the ability. You're smart. The other one, you're going to praise for the effort that he's put into it. What happens? Where do we go from there? How does it play out? So, let's ask a couple questions. Um, what, did he, what did each kid do when given the chance to do another challenging task. Here they are. They've taken the first test. They now have the opportunity to take a, do another challenging task. What do you think, Stephen, the smart one, what's he going to do with that? Hold on a second. Here we go. Catch. Perfect. Uh, no, apparently not. Okay. Just talk loud. Okay. He's going to be more likely to do it if he thinks he'll succeed because he, he is smart and he doesn't want to be dumb. And he doesn't want to be dumb. Okay. One theory. Someone else. Yes, sir. He'll be more complacent because he doesn't have to try as hard. Good throw. That's okay. That's all right. 
Val, you want to give it a try? I think he'll give up the first time he hits a roadblock. You think he'll give up the first time he gets a roadblock, okay? Because he's not, he doesn't think he's smart enough to figure it out. Ah, but he is smart. See, you're smart. But if he hits a roadblock, that hits his limit of what he knows and thinks he can accomplish. Okay, all right. How about um, number two, Jacob? What's Jacob going to do? The kid who says, you work hard. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to knock it out of the park. Okay. Any other theories? He'll figure out a way to do it. Research shows, and this is some fascinating research that's come out probably in the last uh, five or six years or so, when you give Stephen, the smart one, when you give him a choice, they actually reject a challenging new task that they could learn from. They reject the opportunity to learn from it. They didn't want to do anything that could expose their flaws and call into question their talent. So if it's just inherent, they actually want to save face, and they don't want to put themselves at risk of looking bad because they have been told, you are smart. Jacob, the one who says, you worked hard, he comes back and says, uh, uh, when students were praised for effort, 90% of them wanted the challenging new task that they could learn from. 90% of them, 9 out of 10 said, sign me up. I think I can do it. I want to try. I want to learn from it. I want to see what I can do. That subtle shift right there either puts you into a, an expanded growth mindset or what's called a fixed mindset. So fixed mindset is you're, you're smart. So again, they, he rejects new tasks. And Jacob over here, he says, give me some new ones. I can't wait to see it. Growth mindset. Growth is on the right, fix is on the left. New question. What was the response of the kids when they didn't do well on the next set of problems? How did they respond? Again, any guesses? They, they, had, they had the new opportunities, they tried, and they didn't do very well. I'm going to go back here, and then I'll come back up to you, and then I'll let you give a shot at that. Ready? Here we go. Uh, the your smart kiddo uh, probably felt um, discouraged Kay. and felt bad, whereas the you work hard kiddo probably felt encouraged to try harder and to change his strategy. You're starting to see how this works. Yeah, pretty, pretty close. What do you think? I'm dumb versus at least I worked hard. I'm dumb versus at least I worked hard. Okay. Nothing to add. Nope. They took all the good stuff. Well, let's see. Um, they thought they weren't as smart. Exactly. This, the consequences is, I am not as smart because I didn't do as good this time, versus um, I have to work harder. Behavior, task, effort, not about their value, not about their worth. The one that I like the most, they took this group of kids, both group of kids, and they asked them to write a letter to their peers, to their friends, telling them how they did on this test. What do you think happened? Fixed mindset. Steven. Steven. 
so they lied. Yep. 40% of them inflated their scores. They made themselves look better. The um, other ones, they, inf they inflated them a little bit, but not nearly 40%. A much, much smaller percentage inflated their scores because it wasn't about their worth. It wasn't about their value. It was about the effort they were putting into it. This it's called a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, and it actually changes how you view yourself. It actually um, talks about whether you feel shame or whether you feel guilt. You guys know the difference between that? I'll give you a quick rundown real fast. Shame is I did something wrong because I am wrong, and that's pretty much the only natural consequence to to my behavior is going to be something bad. Guilt is, I did something wrong, and I take responsibility for what I did wrong, but I know that I still have inherent value. It's a behavior outside of myself. We want people to feel guilty when they screw up. That's a good thing. Tells you they have a conscience. Tells you that they, that they are able to empathize, and they're able to be aware of how they affect other people. But we don't want people to be limited by when I screw up, it means I am a terrible person. I am, I am, I have no inherent value in and of myself. Yes, ma'am. Um, can you, can you hold on to that? There you go. Yeah, this model um, seems um, a little suspicious to me okay. in, in that um, part of developing analytical skills is accepting that making mistakes is how you actually learn. Yep. So I don't see why it's black and white and that yep. if someone doesn't do well on a test, they would suddenly lose their self-confidence. Yeah. And in addition, if you only praise effort, then a child is deprived ever getting the reward for what they accomplish. I think that we can make a distinction where a child absolutely developmentally needs to hear encouragement about their value and their self-worth, but that needs to be inherent value. It can be separate from, you're a good girl, you're a good boy because you did this task. When that tends to happen, if you only get rewarded at the end of behavior and you're told something about your character, then you tend to, well, a lot of those children grow up to become perfectionists tend to grow up and only find value in the things that they can do rather than their inherent value and worth. Children absolutely need to hear that they are valuable and precious, but they also need to hear that they're valuable and precious after they make a really bad mistake. You come alongside them and you go, man, you messed that up and you messed that up so good. That is awesome. Here's how we're going to fix it together. My, um, my son learned how to sheetrock at an early age, because he came running around the corner in our house, skidded out on the hardwood floors in the dining room, and put his knee through the wall. Well done, kiddo. Man, you were booking it. You, know, you just about made that corner. Next time you're going to cut that corner better, you're going to do great. Guess what? You're going to learn how to sheetrock now. And so we went and we bought some sheetrock, and we, we learned how to cut it out to the studs, and we learned how to cut the right, right piece in there, and then learned how to tape, learned how to texture. He learned how to fix his mistake. He still had value and worth. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's the people who, it's the kids who only, only 
get rewarded for their behavior and not their intrinsic value. What tends to happen in all of this, actually, is what was actually implemented back in the 80s. For those who grew up in the 80s, the self-esteem period, uh, they would give out these things. Um, <laughs> if you had fun, you won. Football. It's the um, controversy over do we give participation trophies? Do we give ribbons out for just everyone who shows up? And believe me, as I was researching this, holy smokes, there are some people who have some strong feelings about that. Very strong feelings on both sides. And some of it is like, wow, it's just a trophy, man. Relax. But in the 80s, there was a massive swing into we want to make sure we, we build kids' self-esteem. So we want to make sure everyone knows that you are good, whether regardless of how good you did. And they've been tracking these kids from the 80s, and they're finding out that it backfired. It was good intended. It, was, it had very good, and by the way, it's not about the trophy. It's not about the ribbons. It's, it's not about that. It's the, it's, it's the message behind that, which is we wanted to make sure we didn't hurt anybody's feelings. And yet the research is showing kids are intrinsically aware that when you get a, a, a prize and you didn't earn it, it actually, what it does is it makes them embarrassed. It, it literally makes them embarrassed because it's kind of like that consolation prize and, and they know they don't deserve it. And for the kids who actually strove and got the first, second, third place, it diminishes their effort and they don't try as hard. It, it actually discourages everybody. And so again, there's this big controversy around should it wor keep working, should it doesn't work, why does it work? We've been talking about Michael Phelps in the first couple of episodes of this uh, series. I came across this one just on one of the research <laughs> things I did. We both get, yay! We both get a participation trophy just for a funny picture. I want, <laughs> yeah, whoever came in second doesn't matter. If you're next to Michael Phelps, I don't think you're going to ever be remembered. I, I can't tell you. I have no idea. I, I'm assuming it was on one of the um, swims that's the, the team swims that you got to switch back and forth. I'm assuming that's who it is. Isn't that really bad that he's just kind of lost in anonymity here? No one has any idea. Does anyone know who he is? Good. I'm not the only one. I don't feel bad. <sighs> we get these limiting beliefs even when people are trying to be positive, who are trying to offer good things, sometimes they can still implant limiting beliefs and these stories that we have to now wrestle with as adults. So again, not all of it's malicious. Not all of it is intentionally harmful or trying to wound you or comes from um, uh, a nefarious place. Some of it was intended with the best uh, of motivations, and yet still, when you've heard over and over and over again, you're good, you're smart, you're okay. Again, scientifically, they've figured out that makes us hunker down. We don't want to risk. We don't want to challenge. We don't want to look stupid. and We don't want to look shameful. And we just, we got to protect our image because our image is as frail and, and, and precious. And so, again, that's why I have it the early on in this, in this thing. Are you willing to look bad if it means you're going to get better? In here, by the way, sorry to tell you, there's no participation prizes. I don't have any. You get, you get to get out of this what you want to get out of this. 
And some of you, again, it is inspiring, it's encouraging to watch you come up here and stand and push and challenge yourself. You're getting something way better than a prize. Whether that's a first prize, last prize, or a consolation prize. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Uh, a couple quotes that kind of go along this theme. If we judge ourselves as we make mistakes, we are more intimidated than inspired to try again. We ought to celebrate instead the act of curiosity that led us to explore and then try again. The act of curiosity. Again, if you've heard me speak, you've heard me use that word. Um, it is probably one of the most powerful tools that I can offer anybody is the opportunity to become curious. We were sitting with some friends a while back, and in their relationship, they were having a, a few struggles, and the wife was aware that she sometimes gets triggered and reacts um, a, a, a little aggressively towards her husband. And it's the little things that were, t were setting her off. It, it would be a little lilt of the head or, the, or the, the way he would move. or It was just kind of a little thing that was triggering to her. And she would quickly move into this, again, triggered state and, and get very reactive and, and defensive towards it. And so as we were talking with, with the two of them um, over dinner, I said, what would happen if you could move into this, this state of curiosity? And the next time he does that thing with his hands or that lilt of the head, you go, huh, isn't that interesting? Right now, the way that you're waving your hands is making me want to yell at you. That's fascinating. How about that? I, I, I wonder why that is. That's, that is intriguing. Because if anyone else waved their hands at me, I'm pretty sure I'd be okay. I wonder why my husband, when he does that, I wonder what that's connected to. transference. we got all sorts of other reasons that can happen. But when you do that, it, it moves her from a state of reactivity into curiosity. And it helps her have more options in, in responding in that situation. Again, she's no longer limited by the story that's going on in her head, and she's able to respond now with a different story. Huh, isn't this fascinating? Little Columbo. Does anyone? Okay, People know Columbo? I keep using those references. I keep looking looks back like, who? Does anyone not know who Columbo is? Yes, thank you very much. Okay, that's all right. It's in another era. Look it up on Google. It'll answer the question. Um, curiosity is, is, is immensely, immensely powerful to change even your state internally. Um, the moment we believe that success is determined by an ingrained level of ability, we will be brittle in the face of adversity. That's a powerful word, brittle. Like glass. Even though, again, if my success is determined by my ingrained level of ability, if that's all I am, pure talent, then the minute something challenges that, I get broken. So I don't know if that is some of your story in the room right now. I don't know if that is how some of you feel or you wrestle with or you're aware of. But if it is, you get to know how to start cha changing and challenging it now. Again, you get to welcome the process of trial and error, even though that will probably make you want to throw up 
over and over and over again until you get really good at it. Um, if we win because we're a winner, common sense says, then when we lose, it must make me a loser. Let's change that recipe. We win because we strive, we learn, we change, we grow, we adapt. Maybe not because of our inherent value based upon pure action. Our value is based in something else. Um, if we don't divide the world, oh, sorry, I don't divide the world into the weak and the strong or the successes and the failures. I divide the world into the learners and the non-learners. I love that one. I, I love that one. If you've listened to the Failure 101 podcast um, from seven years ago, I told the story of um, uh, Watson, uh, forgot his initials, he used to run uh, a little company called IBM, um, which pretty big company. And he had an employee who, uh, uh, in essence, made a mistake that cost the company about $10 million. When you make a mistake like that, and then you get a call from the president of IBM, you know one thing's going to happen, Right? Well, you know, two things going to happen. First, you're going to get reamed, and then you're going to get your butt fired. And so he's sitting outside in this um, uh, wood-lined office back in the day, and he hears uh, Watson in the office just irate, just yelling. Just I mean, he was pretty worked up, and he's next, waiting to go in and have this meeting with this with the boss of IBM. And um, after about ten minutes, the door opens and he says get in here and so he goes in there and he sits down at the chair trying to make himself as small as possible and he says do you know why you're here and he goes yes sir i do i know why i'm here why because i screwed up and cost the company 10 million dollars you know what's going to happen now yes sir i do you're going to fire me he goes fire you are you kidding me i just spent 10 million dollars educating you i want to make sure you didn't miss the lesson That is a cool mindset. What kind of employee would you be, by the way? <laughs> that is, yeah, thankful, and I will never make another mistake ever again because I want to earn, I want to earn, continue to earn his trust. It's, it's a powerful story. Yes, ma'am. Ready? Here we go. Henry Ford had that same mindset. One of my favorite quotes of his is, um, one who fears failure limits himself, since failure is the opportunity to begin again anew and to begin again more intelligently. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Again, a lot of the people who are uh, game changers in the world have the mindset of, I have to fail as fast as possible so I can learn as fast as possible, so I can get to success as fast as possible. It isn't a matter of how do I avoid it. It's a matter of this is just the price of doing business, and i got to get through it. And so let's just make it happen as quick as possible. And their self-esteem isn't connected to it at all. They're the ones who will go, you want to see the mistakes? You should look back there. I mean, huge ones. i got a warehouse full of them. Warehouse full of them. They're awesome. <sighs> All right. Um, 
couple more things with the fixed mindset and growth mindset, but we're not going to take the time to go through those tonight. Instead, I'm just going to give you a handout, but it actually talks about some of the brain activity that happens on both sides of the fixed mindset, growth, uh, growth mindset. It talks about the emotional focus. Uh, it talks about the effort, and it talks about the setbacks, one of the things that the limitations for, for both parties there. So um, we can hand these out for whoever wants to help me do that. Thank you, too. I appreciate that. Um, and then you can, those last three or four quotes are actually on there. So for those who are trying to write really fast, you're welcome. Any questions about any of this? The mindset. Yes, ma'am. One second. Let me throw you the thing here. There you go. It's back when you were talking about, um, oh, okay, wait, what were the words you used? Um, about you just saying you're gifted. Yes. You're just natural at it, and yes. some people are natural at things and, and not at others. And I think where you, s okay, you were saying that um, you shouldn't have that mindset because you can try to get to where you want to go, even if you don't feel like you were uh, born that way. Okay. Um, what about, though, I mean, there are some, not everybody's meant to be a doctor. Not yes. everybody's meant to be. Thank you. You know what I mean? So what, in that case, I mean, I definitely know there's some things I've tried, and I'm, Yes, I don't know. <laughs> that is a that's a superb question because in that same um, time era as um, everyone gets a trophy, there was also the the mindset that started you can be anything you put your mind to. That's not true. That really isn't true. There are, are inherent giftings, um, personalities, the way you're wired. Thank you very much. For those who need extras, there are some over here. Um, and so the, the gift or the skill is learning how to evaluate your natural abilities and then, if you want to put it this way, learning how to say no to things that look really, really attractive. One of the most popular movies out there that kind of feeds into this myth that you can do anything you want, and some people might not like me after I say this, uh, the movie Rudy, <laughs> That's why people love that movie. He tried, he tried, he kept, he was never built for football. The guy was going to get smushed. He just, he, again, he had physical limitations. Like we talked about last week, of there are just simple, sometimes physiological limitations that certain skills, like football being one of them, require you to be a certain size. And he got his got himself hyper-focused on doing one thing, and so for years and years and years, he ran out to, to do one play, and then is carried off as like the hero, hooray! I want to know what happened two years later. <laughs> as he still doesn't, I mean, he has a degree from Notre Dame, I guess that's something, but, but it, it doesn't actually play out that way. So, again, don't hate me for saying that. I know it's a good movie. It makes really good Hollywood. But in real life, it's okay to say, I don't have gifting this way, and I do have giftings this way, and it's going to be wiser for me to learn how to identify those and then narrow down one way and say no to everything else. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. You had a question. Oh, I thought you were waiting. Okay. So any thoughts or challenges or clarification on that? It's not a popular thing to say, actually. Some people don't like hearing that. 
<clears throat> because we come from a, again, the, the world we live in right now is a self-actualized world. We're supposed to be able to get anywhere we want if we just, we believe we can and, and we can fight our way and we're going to become the masters of our own destiny. I don't think that's always the case. Again, we have real limitations we have to, we have to accept. My son is very, very good at math. Um, so much so that uh, pretty much anything after sixth or seventh grade, he now became the math tutor for all the other younger kids, for, for his brothers Sam and Isaac, because he was just better at math than I ever was. Now, I can. I can go back whew, too many years and try to remember seventh grade algebra, tenth grade algebra, and I could probably figure it out, or I can just let him, who's doing it right now, just teach his younger brothers. He's willing to do that, and they'll probably get a much better education because he's just gifted at that. I'm much better at other things that, that he's not as gifted in, and that's okay. Actually, in Scripture, it's called the body of Christ. That's how it's supposed to work. We all can't be good at everything, so we very intentionally find the things that we are gifted in, and we do that to the best of our ability. And the body grows because of it. It's remarkable, remarkable really enjoyable. Any other questions? And then we're going to get started. Okay. Well then, let's get through all this real fast. If we remember, here's how it works. I want you to identify what you want. And again, we're narrowing that down to a measurable behavior that can, that can be um, accomplished in a, a particular uh, time frame. You can identify the obstacle in your way, that toxic story or limiting belief that's been holding you back. You get to share with the group up here with me. Thank you very much. We'll help you find a guide. And then you get to decide if you're going to risk doing what they say. And then starting next week, there will still be opportunity if you want to come up and say, I still want to try this and I want to find a guide. It's still open next week and the week after. You can do that on the seventh week. It's okay. But I would like to invite those who have been willing to, to put themselves out there in the earlier weeks to actually check back. And what has the process been like? I want to hear from the guides. What's it been like being able to walk with this process through some of these people? What's the conversations been like? How has it felt? All these kinds of things. Does that make sense? So we're going to start hearing from some of those stories, but next week you can still share if there's something you want to challenge and grow and improve in. Just, you don't have to worry about that. There's no real set time limit that you have to make sure you hit. So, I would love to come listen to anybody who'd like to try. Thank you, sir. Come on up. Let's try this one here. That's for you. Oh, man, I just spilled Thanks. water. I'm Paul. I'm Steve. Steve, nice to meet you. Everyone, this is Steve. What do you want to work on? I'm going to set my bar pretty high. Kay. I'd like to be a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. I like high bars like that. That's fantastic. Pulitzer Prize winning poet. Okay. What is in the way? Um, 
I've always said my work wasn't good enough, and so most of the time I've not submitted work to places where I could get published. Um, huh. And that goes the same with just about every kind of creative thing that I've done. I've always looked at the work of people that I admire yeah. and say, oh, there's no way I can do that. Wow. And uh, so I just haven't tried. Have you submitted your stuff to anywhere? A couple places, yeah. A couple places. Yeah. And the response was? I did get one piece published um, locally. Okay. Um, but uh, the other places, uh, New Yorker, for instance. Yeah. Um, just get, me get an email back. We thank can't use this. Thank you very much. We appreciate yeah. the submission. Mm -hmm. Best luck next time. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. So twice? A few times, yeah. Okay. So you're running at about 50%, a little lower than that in success at the moment? Yeah. Okay. Where do you think that message got started, the limiting message that it's not that good? I know exactly. Um, it started in school. I always struggled with um, learning um, math. No way I'm going to get that. Um, English, and uh, I think it's those that difficulty in school that just kind of reinforced or created that yeah. belief. Um, yeah. Do you have a time frame? When do you want to see one of your poems published and win acclaim? I would give myself, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd put a limit on it, but I would say two or three years. Two or three years. Got it. So what are you needing help with? Well, ideally, I'd like somebody who's been there, um, done that. But um, Pulitzer Prize-winning poets in the room? <laughs> um, anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Okay. <laughs> so... We can't, can't eat that one. What, be more specific on what do you think they can offer you? Um, someone who kind of maybe knows the process, knows the steps to take, um, can come alongside and kind of point those things out and just be supportive. In submitting um, pieces to a particular publication or just learning how to do that to multiple publications? Um, I would say multiple publications. Multiple publications. Yeah. Um, okay, do you know the average rejection rate? I don't. So have you gotten any numbers on that? Um, I don't have any numbers on it. I would think it's probably pretty high. Pretty stinking high. I would guess it is as well. Okay, so you want, you're looking for a guide who is um, familiar with the publishing process, the submission process. Not the publishing, but the um, submission process. Either one would work. I think submission or publishing process, they would probably have a refined idea of what is being sought after and what's Got being it. chosen. Got it. Um, any steps before that? Anyone reviewing your material, getting editorial feedback from, from that, or you got that covered and you don't, just don't, that's not necessary? That would also be helpful. Okay. Yeah. Are, is there anyone who's familiar with submitting written pieces of work for publication to any, any magazines? Where do you have to submit something to get something recognized for a Pulitzer? Um, Newspapers? Well, generally they're through publishing books. Um, 
but as far as submission, I mean, there are magazines, there are avenues that um, they're looking for new, they're looking for work, and um, then you just submit through those. Okay. Okay. Anyone, anyone have that experience or know someone who has that experience? You can give him the guide. We have one right here. There you go. There you go. Okay. Great. Your name is? Camille. Camille, this is Steven. Hi. Steve or Steven? Steve. Steve. No N. Steve. Steve is Camille. You willing to have a conversation afterwards? Having someone who's known how to do that and get that get through that system is is invaluable. Invaluable. I think that's fantastic. I'd love to see it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Well done. Appreciate it. Yeah. You have a question. I have a little bit of information. You have a little bit of information. Yeah, the New Yorker is the hardest magazine in the country to get published in. Okay. Um, and the acceptance rate is in the 90-something percent. Um, and most publishing nowadays is done uh, where it's self-published and people who want uh, poems go online and a publisher uh, prints it up exactly for that request oh. as opposed to okay. books. So you have a little insight into that process. Your name is? Deborah. Deborah, this is Steve. Steve, this is Deborah. Would you be willing to have a conversation with him some more afterwards and kind of walk him through that process? Because yeah. I have no idea. That's why we're in a room full of experts like this. Thank you, Steve. That's great. Appreciate you. All righty, there's one. <sighs> Come on up, sir. Nice to see you. Hello. Your name is? Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy, I'm Paul. Paul, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, sir. I feel a little shorter. <laughs> I have to stand up and you know, still. <laughs> Jeremy, what do you wanna, what do you wanna do? I don't know if I have a clear, concise answer to that yet. Um, we'll see if we can help you. Maybe help if I just kind of told the story. Okay. Um, growing up, my parents were, you know, they gave me what I needed um, mm -hmm. from a material and, you know, comfort point of view. Okay. Um, but they weren't very proactively leading or loving, mm. and emotions, whether they were just any extreme emotion in my house was really kind of met with like, ooh, gross, you know, don't do that, or, you know. Like get, get your feeling, don't get it on people. Right. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't get your feelings on people, and I think basically uh, that led, my basically my parents' lack of emotional maturity. Okay. Uh, rubbed off on me, and usually the only emotions I experienced growing up in my household were if my parents were uh, fighting, because they eventually got divorced when I was 11, okay. 12. Um, so being even-keeled and emotionless mm. was kind of the rewarded behavior in my house. Yeah. Um, so as a result, I'm not a very emotionally mature person, especially as it comes to, I can detect other people's emotions. I'm aware of other people's emotions, but I, I don't know what to do 
with them because yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with it. Yeah. Um, and that's led me now, you know, I've been kind of aware of this through most of my adult life, and I've constantly tried to evolve, especially uh, since word. getting married. Uh, oh, yeah, marriage will mess that up, won't that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I don't feel that um, I can emotionally lead my family, my yeah. wife, um, that I can't support her when she's feeling strong emotions, yeah. um, that I can't evolve. And then also, so leading my family, but also just in uh, almost anything to do with emotions and also faith, uh, that it's all for me, my relationship with emotions and faith is all just head knowledge. Yeah. Um, that everything is like a puzzle yeah. to be solved. I'm, you know, I work in the tech industry, so everything sure. is like, for me, troubleshooting is not an emotional thing. No, I ones just, and zeros. Yeah, you yeah. just like problem solution, yeah. jump right to solution, or, yeah. you know, How's that work your wife? Problems. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she'll talk next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do a little couple's work up here. Yeah. Okay. Pass the microphone back and forth. I got to tell you, this is probably one of the hardest things for men to ask for. So the fact that you're up here, number one, aware of this issue, number two, willing to put this in front of everyone else, and number three, asking for some help around this, that last piece is the reason most most husbands can never grow because they are so again protective of that ego state because admitting i don't know how to do something yeah especially around emotions that that is hard for men so right here in the room ladies and gentlemen you are watching uh, a, a man who is ready to crack out of a shell and and, and it's like, have you ever seen those videos? I, I, I cry every time, I admit it completely, when they have these little kids and they are, have been deaf and they put the colloquial implants in and they hear for the first time and their eyes get big and they look around and it's like this whole new part of the world just opened up to them. That's what's gonna happen. I'm so thankful you're here looking, awesome. looking for the implant. That's great. Yeah. I wish it was as easy as a, as a, as a two-day surgery recovery right. process it, it's a little bit longer than that yeah and i feel like i've been working towards that for a while and i yeah. think that's some of my limiting behavior gets reinforced because i when i do like step out and yep. risk things yep. like and it and i fail yeah it i like i feel like i take three steps backwards yep you like, learned oh, that lesson yep, really that, really quick that hurt never doing that again yeah parents were right Amer emotions are dumb they're, yeah. they're hard to navigate. Yeah. Wow. So, number one, superb goal. Number two, um, how would you measure that? So let's see if we can get a little bit more specific besides just trying to become emotionally aware. Is there a particular emotion that you'd like to get good at? Um, really just the most obvious every day version is my relationship with my wife. Okay. Um, when I feel like I've failed her in some way, like really? if she's, and it's, it's, as soon as she is going through something tough and it's, it's almost never initially like about our relationship, she's experiencing something and I'm trying to walk through her with that. And as soon as I stumble, I, 
I pull out or I, you know, yeah. I just re- I disengage from the conversation or I talk about me, like, ah, oh, this is why I screwed up, this is why it happened, it's because of this, and, you know, and it, I immediately, the yeah. spotlight's off her, and it doesn't, yeah. it makes it worse. Yeah. Would it be okay if I ask your wife a couple questions on this? Sure. <laughs> you can ask her. Would you mind coming <laughs> up and we can have a little conversation here? This is, this will be fun. Um, we'll let you talk into the octopus. Because it's... Why did we come to this stupid thing? Your name is? Kristen. 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 Kristen and Jeremy. How long have you been married? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Okay. Kiddos? Yeah. One. One kiddo. How old? Almost three. Almost three. Okay. Um, He said kind of the day-to-day stuff being able to kind of tag those. Is there a particular one that you're aware of that if he could get this one honed in on that the relationship of the stress or the tension or the disappointment or all those things between you would would lift just a little bit? I think it's, um, I'm looking to feel felt. Yeah. And like, just like he was sharing, you know, he's looking for a solution or he's looking for something he's experienced that's similar and it goes right to, oh, I know how you feel because, and it's all about like, it's not about him feeling or understanding me, but it's sharing him, which like I want, and then I get like really upset, not only because I don't feel felt, so I don't feel like seen, but then I'm upset because I want to be there for him, but like I'm in that like, like emotional, my emotional brain is taking over and I can't like be there logically and empathetically for him because I'm in my like empathy hole, you know, <laughs> like my life of emotional baggage like takes over. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, so I think so that's that cycle like me wanting to feel felt, and it might even just be like a little small feel, you know, and then it's it instantly snowballs when um, yeah I feel like it. And then he, then he gets, if he stumbles, or your sense is that he's about to stumble or something, or he is afraid that he stumbles so he doesn't really try, then it, it's like he was saying, it's not about the little feel that I wanted felt, it's about this, like this communication issue, yeah. you know? And then I just get so like, don't beat yourself up, like don't, don't, don't take my words as like ammunition, like, you know, and then I'm, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I can take it to a much heavier place than it even needs to go. Right. That's, because there's a lot of emotional crap tied up in it for me. Again, you guys are kind enough to be standing up in front of this group, and I know that you're not the only ones who wrestle with this, simply because, my goodness, I spent so much time of my early marriage doing this. My wife would come home, she'd be having some sort of feelings about something, and I would instantly make it about me. So not only is my wife feeling bad and upset and distraught about something, I now go, are, are, are we okay? I need you to reassure me. You're feeling bad, but I need you to reassure me. I need you to take care of me. And it left her feeling hurt, alone, isolated, scared, because I didn't know what to do with my feelings. You're in very good company. Welcome to the club. We have hats, okay? Is there anyone, and I'm actually gonna see if I can narrow this down just a little bit. Are there any men in the room who have experienced this kind of process where um, you had some sort of emotional maturing happen either somewhere in your marriage, 
um, we, whether through the help of counseling or whether through the help of your own work, but you've been able to see some emotional progress. Doesn't mean you're already there. Doesn't mean you've already got it dialed in, okay? I do this for a living and I'm still trying to figure it out. It is not an easy task um, navigating the world of emotions. But is there a, a, a man, a husband in the room who's kind of walked a little bit down that road? We already have a hand right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to borrow this for a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Give us your name. Uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm Jack. Hi, Jack. Jack, this is Jeremy. Jeremy, Hi. this is Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello. Um, yeah, w when we first got married, um, my wife was definitely more emotional than I was. And sometimes <coughs> she would say, like, we'd be in this discussion, and I wouldn't know where to go. You know, she would go, well, tell me, what's on your mind? And it's like, um, I'm not really sure right now. <laughs> and I, Cricket. yeah, I just couldn't process my emotions because um, I was sitting there going like, well, what I really want to say might hurt her, but then maybe that's a, you know, I just have this internal head thing going on, and so finally, I, I kind of decided like, you know, I, I need to just give me a day to, so I can process this a little bit and get back with you. So I, so I needed time to process my emotions, and I, I didn't know how to do that, and I needed time. My wife, Amy, can just, mm, like no. that, she can just, her emotions are, well, not always, but <laughs> a lot of times they're just, she can express them so clearly. And it's taken me, well, we've been married, I, I don't know, 32, 30, years. 32 years. And, <laughs> and it's just, I mean, it's a long road, but we're communicating a lot better now. I mean, it never, our, our marriage was never in jeopardy, it's just, I could never really process my emotions right away on that. Yeah. Oh, Amy oh, can wants I say? No, on my part, and I'm not saying this is what you're going through or feeling, is this working? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, at first, didn't give him time. Yeah. I, okay. I, I realized my mistake was, and I, like I said, I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying that I was a person that, tell me now, no, you don't need time, you know, just we got to talk about this right now because I was feeling really emotional um, when maybe it just would have been good for him to hug me mm. and not have a lot of answers, but just to maybe give me a hug and say, you know, I don't understand this, I got to process this, but I love you. Can I get back to you? Um, and I just wanted answers right away, so for my part, I wasn't patient enough. You guys would be willing to have some conversations with even with the two of them. Would that be okay? What you've identified is again less about making learning how to swim all of this all the swimming strokes. You're gonna learn one that's gonna get really productive. It's just a really good stroke that it can cover if we hit sixty-five percent, we're gonna be good, and then you can refine the rest after that. Can I ask a few more questions, if that would be okay? Yep. What would mom and dad actually do when emotions showed up? My Cause, parents? Yes. Because kids um, have emotions. At least little kids do, yeah. before they learn those lessons. How would they respond? Uh, 
my dad would get loud and angry, not physically abusive, but very verbally upset, a lot of words. Uh, my mom would either sort of kind of uncomfortably have his back or she would withdraw and then they would fight later and then yeah. like never resolve it. So like that also trained in me at like, don't let anything, don't let the sun go down on like yeah. angry words. Yeah. Um, yeah, just mostly anger and yelling and um, yeah, if I didn't do, if I didn't, whether it was school or, you know, I'm trying to keep it simple and not get too far off track, but uh, yeah, grades or just behavior, compliance with my siblings, like if I didn't listen like right away, yeah, just immediate like yelling and grounding. Heavy thump, thumb comes down and trying to squash all of yeah. it. Yeah, and get the house back yeah. to normal. Yeah, and it's back to calm. Yeah, and, and, and if I was just going through a hard time, it wasn't didn't matter. Like it, it wasn't like I was misbehaving all the time. It's just that if I acted out in yeah. any way, it was shut down. Can I ask you a couple more questions? Sure. You have a three-year-old at home. Yeah, they have Almost. feelings. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot. Yeah. And they're usually unbridled. Mm -hmm. They tend to just happen. Yeah. When you see son or daughter. Son. Yeah. <laughs> so we got some good similar stuff going on yeah. here. What's your son's name? Theo. Theo? Mm -hmm. Great name. So when Theo is having strong feels, mm -hmm. what stirs in you? Uh, just love him, love him, love him. Like, I from the youngest age, a lot of my, what informed my desire to be a parent later in life was a lot of like, whatever my parents are, I'm the opposite of them. Good. And so, yeah. I'm, uh, not that they're like 100% wrong sure. in every way, but sure. um, just, that's also turned into my like, no emotions. Yeah. You know, like, never get angry. Yeah. Keel, like, talking. Yeah. My wife is much better at this than I am. Um, and sometimes I do better parenting when she's not around because if she's around, I'm like, oh, well, let's see what she does because she's great at this. So oh, I just like step hands back off, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, oh, boy. I guess I kind of lost track of your original question, but I try to just yeah. be tender with him. Got it. Again, it sounds like we need to expand that toolkit so that you mm -hmm. have some more options rather than hands off completely. Mom's here, she can take care of everything. Yeah. Or... I'm just going to smother with love yeah. because sometimes that's not the best either. Yeah. Sometimes there needs to be some stuff in between. And sometimes when she's guiding me, she'd be like, oh, like, you know, maybe like this, or maybe you could have said that or this. I walk a tight rope there between hearing like, oh, that's great advice versus yeah. I screwed up. I yeah. Are you able to identify the feelings that you have internally Again, you said you're able to recognize the feelings in others. Can you actually identify your own feelings? Um, Even if they don't come out, you're not expressing them, you, can you say, huh, this is bubbling around inside? I, mean, I can always tell when something's off. Okay. And also, 
going back to a young age, a lot of my stress manifests physically. I okay. get like Good. sick. Okay. And back or stomach? Like stomach. Mm -hmm. What's that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like I, I, I shut down. Also, like I, I can't think straight when sure. I'm emotional. I just sure. like completely. I withdraw. And not. It's not almost like it doesn't feel like a choice. Yep. I just like want to go curl up and yeah, be s feel terrible. Okay. I am looking forward to hearing how the conversation between you and Jack goes, and again, learning how to identify just that empathetic s empathetic piece. I'd like to give you one piece as well, a little technique. Actually, I'm going to give you two homework assignments. You guys can listen if you want, so I'll get back with you in a minute. Um, uh, it's actually a really unique uh, assignment every once in a while. Pick a movie that you haven't seen, okay? Not an action flick. Not, we're not talking the Avengers. We're not talking Spider-Man. Nothing like that. Uh, some sort of like good drama, even maybe a slight romantic comedy, something like that. Um, again, something you guys haven't seen. Um, fast forward to where there's a scene where you can see that there is uh, dialogue, there's emotions, there's stuff going on, but I want you to mute it. You're not allowed to listen to the dialogue. And you simply have to identify out loud the emotions the guy is having based upon bodily um, uh, nonverbal communication, his posture, his attitude. You won't be able to hear his tone, but you're going to be able, and I want you to see if you can identify as many emotions as possible so that you can actually start to, what it does is it expands your emotional vocabulary. Guys who've grown up in a home that you've just described are usually allowed three, the sad, mad, glad, okay? That's about all you get. And there's a one or two more outside of that range. Um, and I want you to be able to start identifying them, but then not just identifying them up here, but it's, it, you get to put it out loud. You get to say, I think he's feeling this, I think he's feeling this, Hit by his looks, I think he's doing this. And then go back, rewind, turn it up, and see if you're right. You get to do it with the, with the female character in, in the movie as well, and see if you can identify it. Write it down, literally write it down. Do this a couple times, and it will start to expand, again, that emotional vocabulary, and it will actually, you'll start to see emotions are okay. That's the, that's the thing you get to start to learn, is you get to break that message that emotions are somehow bad. Emotions, do you know what, do you know what the point of emotions are, by the way? Anyone ever told you that? Um, there was a little girl um, who had a very rare genetic disease. True story. Um, and it, and it, she's like one in six people in the United States. I mean, rare. And her body cannot register the sensation of pain. She literally can't feel pain. And most people go, what a wonderful gift. That would be awesome. But the reality is, at 10, 11 years old, she's missing most of her teeth. She's blind in one eye. She's broken most of her fingers. When she comes in from recess, all the kids go to class, and she goes to the nurse, because the nurse has to do a full body scan to ensure that she's not bleeding out somewhere, because she cannot register if there's damage. It's actually a rotten curse. Pain... The ability to feel physically is the thing that says, hey, 
something needs attention. It's the thing that tells you your hand is over the stove. You need to pull your hand away before it, before it causes long-term damage. Feeling is how we actually experience the world around us. It's a physical sensation of feeling. Emotions do the exact same thing. Emotions are, huh, I'm feeling upset right now. Something isn't lining up. Something is compromising something in me. A safety or, or significance or something. And I need to actually learn how to pay attention to it. Or else you continue to put your hand over the stove. Again, pain is, is short-term discomfort to prevent long-term damage. And so your parents unfortunately taught you how to numb out those sensations and you get to learn how to tune back in they're still there they're still there but you get to learn how to tune back into it and we're going to start with one jack's going to walk you through how to start to learn how to empathize in in little things so number that first exercise i just gave you is listening or watching the movie number two is you actually can just put a monitor in place here's what i mean by that Find something around the house that is um, simple, neutral. Um, here, I got one. This is for you. <laughs> That's the rock, okay? When you have the rock, you're the one who gets to talk and talk about your feelings, okay? You get to listen kindly, empathetically, directly, okay? And then when you're done, give me the rock, okay? Don't hog it. Okay? When she has the rock, you're actually not allowed to hijack the conversation and make it about you. So she can wave it, hey, I got the rock. And you, oh wait, okay, shoot, you're right. This is actually about me focusing on you at the moment. Okay? And it's a, it's a very concrete way to regulate who's going to be speaking and talking. I got some friends that they went to a marriage conference once and the, the speaker actually gave out little pieces of carpet because whoever had the floor... <laughs> It's not mine. <laughs> not mine. Thought about stealing it, but it's not mine. But whoever had the floor is the one who gets to speak. Okay? That actually really does help when you want to jump in there. Okay? And when, if you want to talk about something, you actually write it down. You actually take notes while she's talking. One last thing, and then I'll let you guys sit down because I don't want to get you guys freaked out too much up here. Um, I hope this is okay. Um... September, September 16th, I think it's a Friday, um, I'm doing a marriage conference, would love to have you come, it's not at Imago, <laughs> so I don't know if this is okay, it's at Dora Hope, okay, so <laughs> the competitor, knew it. okay, the 16th, I'm doing a, a marriage conference, a two-day marriage conference, Friday night, Saturday morning, um, Door Hope, and we cover this stuff. This is exactly the stuff, and it's more practical, it's more hands-on, it's more tangible, there's a lot of exercises, there's some really good stuff. If you have nothing to do Friday night, Saturday, you guys are invited, okay? Can I invite the rest? Am I allowed? Ben says I can do it, okay? If, if any of you <laughs> want to work on your marriage, Door Hope, okay, down the road, um, 16th, 17th, um, should be a lot of fun. I actually don't know if I'm allowed to advertise this yet <laughs> from Dora Hope. I don't, I, I'm assuming they're allowing other people in, so we'll just say it's okay. Um, <clears throat> it's 
special dispensation. I don't know how it works. Because um, this stuff is real. This, these messages, especially emotional messages, get in the way of, of relationship. And it's one of the things that are actually most transformable in your life and reaps the greatest reward between not only the two of you, but what you get to model for your son. And you get to actually change that legacy and you get to redeem it so that you don't just keep repeating those really difficult messages over and over and over and over and over again. Thank you for coming up and being willing to risk this. What do you think of these guys? My goodness. <laughs> you could try, but this is a voluntary thing, so. You wanna? Would you like to hear? Um, hopefully this will be a little simpler. I think um, part of why I don't, I don't fully have this fleshed out. Okay. Um, That's okay. And I think the reason I don't is what I need. What, I, what, would, what my guide could be is someone just to help with like just the business of life and like scheduling. And I always feel like the days are chasing me. Yeah. And I can't get on top. I'm like, I think someone mentioned it on the first night you know, going from reactive to proactive, yeah. and I just, I have, like, you know, stints where I feel like I'm, like, I'm on my game, Kay. but I can't quite, like, get it. Can't find a system that's working. Yeah, and I'm home with our son right now, and, um, and so I, f I have all these, like, hopes of, like, with this lack of a, of a lot of structure, like, that there's a lot I could achieve and do, but um, yeah. I'm having a hard time creating the structure on my own. What is the message that's getting in the way? I have no time. Um, I, and it's funny, I'm in my like, notes that I was jotting down, I, did, I wrote down like, fixed versus growth. I think like, I'm like the smart kid. Like, and I'm like, always battling all wow. the negative stuff in that list. Yeah, and how about that? It doesn't always, um, I don't feel like it always holds me back, but in like, certain areas, and this is one of those areas, like just kind of self-propelling yeah. myself, where I just feel like, I, you know, that's I can't even, like, get it going. That's very brave of you to, to admit you need help when you've been, again, labeled kind of the, the smart kid who doesn't need the help. And so those, those people oftentimes struggle the hardest because they're never given the help that they need. So a guide that can provide organizational structure, time management, yeah. business of life kind of thing. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Anyone have any experience in that? You've wrestled with organizing kids and life, and you tend to be fairly organized in the way that you approach the world. More of no song. Debbie. Give you one more. Here you go. Yep. Um, by years ago, by some organization called something or other Covey, and, and they had a system where you prioritize things, and you put the, they had the software for it, and you number what's um, most important. Because I know I get distracted by doing things that aren't the most important to do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I found that very helpful. Okay. 
Um, I have the getting things done book that's just sitting on my shelf, <laughs> not getting done, <laughs> you know. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that like frustrating <laughs> where the best stuff usually is sitting on the shelf because you can't get to it? I've tried a million organization systems, and I'm the least organized person in the world. <laughs> I have no idea how to do it. You guys so. are not helping. <laughs> I can't help. Yeah. I have a very ADHD brain, and what helps me is using a, what they call a bullet journal. Mm. So the very beginning, I, have you heard of it before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> a bullet journal? <laughs> bullet journal? Uh, hold on a second. There's this planner called the Panda Planner. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I haven't heard of that one. Um, but I love it because it takes the focus off of the task and it puts more focus onto the purpose of the task. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of the four quadrants. I forget the, the real name about it, but it takes your tasks from not urgent to urgent oh, yeah. and from and important. not important to yeah. important. Um, but the Panda Planner gives you the opportunity to affirm yourself, um, gives you the opportunity to have one focus for the day, gives you the opportunity to list out certain projects but then divide them by task and then also um, gives you the opportunity to assess each day, what am I excited about today? What am I looking forward to today? And then at the end of the day, how can I improve tomorrow? Not what did I do wrong, but how can I improve for the next day? So I'd highly recommend that. Perfect. That's one you use. Yes, I do. All right. Panda planner. Panda, as in black and white. As in black and white. Bear, little thing bear, that walks around. cuddly little thing, Kay. rolls all over the place. Yeah. Let me ask a few more questions, if I can, and then we'll get to here. Um, when you aren't organized, when things aren't getting done, what's the feelings that are stirring up? What's the? Um, I think I just I feel consumed. I feel like consumed by. You know, there's a, there's a lot of immediate needs, especially with a toddler, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I just get, like, sucked up into that. Got and, it. like, I'm not building anything. Even if it's just, like... And what should you be building? I know. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to be... Just whatever is next for me professionally, or, you know, oh. we're going to grow our family, or just having like a meal plan or, you know, just like having life not feel so like harried. Sounds like there's some emotions behind that right now. Yeah. Because if you're not, if you're not good at all of that, what does it mean about you? Um, just that I can't keep up. You know, I feel like I get swallowed up. you get swallowed up, what does that mean about you? What kind of person gets swallowed up by the ins and outs of life? Um, I don't know. I think I, I'm just always, like, finding the end of my rope before I, like, go to God, you know? Kay. And so I think, yeah, I just see what, what is in my tank and I'm like always depleting my tank and not realizing that it's not about my tank in the first place, you know. Okay. Um, and when your tank runs out, what shows up? 
how do you respond? I just kind of hit the wall. I'm looking more for behavior. Do you get snappy and yelling at the husband and kid? Do you shut down? Do you go binge watch Netflix? Do you Yeah, I just kind of shut down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could try to channel it. Yeah, like getting some exercise or Jeremy's really good about like kicking me out to just get some headspace. Um, and so that, but yeah, sometimes I just, I just kind of like, the sun is napping, just like still like trying to find where I can get traction again. I just like feel my wheels mm. spinning, you know. Uh, were you working before you had Theo? Yeah. When did you stop working? When he was born? More, yeah. We moved a little bit before he was born. And so, yeah. Okay. A little bit before that. How much um, value do you think you got out of working and providing and career kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I think, I think a degree of value for okay. sure. Um, and I think, you know, I like to throw myself into whatever it is that I'm doing. And so if I feel like I'm not doing this well, you know, like it's, I feel like, like, what am I? Like, oh, people always told me, like, going to the fix versus growth. Like, people always told me I'm smart. Like, well, maybe I'm not. I can't even, like, plan my week, you know. Do you know what standard you're using? How do we know if you're doing it well? That's why I want somebody who's, like... Can give you that objective standard. Or just, like, someone who's doing it, like, to see what, like, just some... some good practices are, you know. Sure, sure. So Theo was crawling around when he was younger in paper towels instead of diapers. That would be a problem. <laughs> that kind of thing. You want to know if that's okay or if that's No, allowed? more like someone who, I don't know, I know, I know it's all relative, but, um, or the grass, it always looks like everyone else has it together but yourself, but just someone who's maybe a little farther along, Kay. you know, so whether it's, you know, someone who's a parent yeah. and just like, you know, juggling everything. Okay. Like, you know, what does it look like for you to juggle? And so then maybe that will help me develop my Perfect. structure. You know what I'm saying? So we kind of refined the, the guide there. Are there any um, moms who are further down that road, maybe not with three-year-olds, but maybe with five, six, 27-year-olds who um, figured out that balance of how to keep themselves um, sane and still make sure that they're productive and and maintaining a, a, a healthy standard here. Anyone further down that road or aware of that? You are. Just a just a. It sounds like there's a story. Hold on a second. Let me grab the microphone here real quick. Thank you very much. Your name is? My name is Renee. Hi, Renee. Hi. So I'm a lot further down that road, so, but also not done with that road. And um, listening to you talk about all these struggles that just come in on us as a mom and, um, and all the shoulds and everything else. And it's always going to be there. And how do you sort through all those things? And how do you come to the place? that the, is the most important and what I would tell moms if, if I could do my life over again. There you go. <laughs> There's the wisdom on the other side of it. And 
um, is the fact is that you have a three-year-old at your home, and it's a huge gift, and that has got to be your biggest priority, and you'll only have a three-year-old for just this year, and love that three-year-old, and we'll walk through that next stage and that next stage, um, and then what is it that you need for yourself to feel like you're comfortable in your home? And talk to your husband about that, too. What does he need, too? And how do the two of you together accomplish those things? But your relationship with God, your relationship yeah. with your little guy, um, and your other relationships are the things that are the priorities. Mm -hmm. And they always don't, they don't feel like they're the most productive things. And I grew up in a very task-oriented do family and sorting through that and getting to that place of the relationship piece in and uh, has been a long hard road but um but what's amazing is when you start focusing on all those things all of a sudden other things fall into place Perfect. and it's okay Perfect. so yeah. renee thank you very much would you be willing to have a conversation Absolutely. afterwards yeah. very <laughs> nice thank you very much i appreciate it I got time for one more, then we're going to keep it relatively in the back. All right, sir. Come on up. Hello. Hello. I'm Paul. I'm Chris. Nice to meet you, Chris. I was hiding in the back row. Yes, you were. But now I'm not. It's different from up here, isn't it? It is. It's actually a nice building. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Chris, what do you want? I have been self-employed for 11 years, going on 12. Wow. And um, I'm getting to the point where I realize I don't know how to not, <laughs> I don't know how to go beyond survival and actually make a living. Got it. Yeah. So you don't want to be scrapping all the time. Oh, I'm tired of scrapping. You want to thrive instead of survive. Yes. What do you do? Uh, video production. Video production. Yes. For 11 years. Yes. Well, wow. I did other creative things because I avoided wanting to do video production even though I wanted to do video production. Okay. If that makes sense. How long have you been doing video production? You kind of got that refined and clarified and... 15 years. 15 years. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, and you have your own company. Yes. And you're just making ends meet, but not by a bunch, I guess. Very barely. Very barely. Very barely. Very barely. Um, what is the message that is getting in the way that's keeping you from getting to the next when I sit down and put prices together, um, the, the message in my brain says, there's no way that they will ever go for this. Got so it. you should just subtract whatever number puts it into the level, oh, they'll for sure accept this. Underselling yourself. Yes. Are you, um, Do you know the industry standard for the wage of the work you're doing? Kind it, of. Is there an industry standard? People are kind of secretive, uh, at least people like myself that are freelancers or by themselves. 
if they put their prices on their website, um, they're usually day rates. Mm. And so I tend to think project-based. Got it. Okay, so you're pricing in a different structure. Yeah. Okay. Where did the um, message of I am not worth this amount of money, where do you think that came from? Uh, I had two things that I can think of. Kay. The first one was very much a fixed mindset like you were talking about tonight. I was often told that I was so smart and I was going to be the rich one in the family. Wow. You don't want to screw that up. Well, I've screwed that one up. <laughs> so we're past that one now. Oh, yeah. I actually hit them up for money today. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And number two? I had a boss tell me on when I had left the job um, that if I ever wanted to return to a higher calling to come there and that uh, I think what was said was Oprah makes a lot of money and she's not happy. So therefore making a lot of money will not make you happy. That yeah. was the message that I took anyway. If you want to return to a higher calling, who were you working for? I was working for a church. Oh. Yes. So if you stop working for a church and you work for yourself, you are not pursuing something as godly. You're not pursuing a higher calling. You are, in essence, selfish. Yes. Because you're trying to make money. Yes. That's a powerful, powerful message. And I've been running from that since 2005. Man, I'm sorry. That's a hard one to fight back. What would you like to believe? Um, that I'm wrong. <laughs> that you're wrong? <laughs> that I am worth it. That I'm wrong in that thinking that that I have to lower things to the point where I have to do 10 jobs just to survive. Okay. I'd like to do maybe two or three and feel like I can thrive. Got it, got it. That seems to be doable. Okay. So when you're looking for a guide, what is the skill you're hoping that they can help you um, established. You want them to help you look at the services you're providing and say, here's what you have to charge and you can't go a dime lower than that? That would be very helpful. I'm, it's, I can read a book. I've read probably every book that someone could probably tell me to read. Reading the book isn't the problem. It's, it's opening myself up to someone and saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. Please tell me. Got it. That's a pretty big thing to do. So someone who's in the freelance creative world who is comfortable charging market prices, who knows that they have the services they render are valuable, that they are worth the money that they are charging, and they don't have that fear around money. Mm -hmm. That would be a good guide. That would be an excellent guide. Anyone in the room? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oops. 
Here we go. Oh, heads up. Oh, good catch. Um, that could have been better. Yeah, a lawyer sent it to me. And uh, I know you don't do graphic arts, but they might be able to offer some sort of guidance, and I can link you up with that. Um, they're doing a webinar on the 16th about how to price for your work and putting you in the same group of all these people, realizing that they're charging the same and that you're not underselling yourself. And I think the confidence, like knowing that you're in the same pool as all these other people who are charging more um, makes you feel a lot less scared about charging what you're worth. Yeah. Would you be willing to again meet afterwards and give them that information? Yeah, definitely. Do you have a problem with establishing prices for the freelance work that you do? I did for a while, and then I realized I'm still not charging enough, and that was scary. Yeah. Would you be willing to share some of your story with Chris as well as you've been working through that pricing strategy? It's a big thing. That's a huge thing for people who are self-employed. How many self-employed people in the room? One, two, three, four, nine, ten or so. It's a challenging thing to do, isn't it? How do you establish value for yourself? Anyone else have? Yes, sir. I just had a recommendation. There's uh, an organization called uh, Freelance Union. Have you heard of them? Mm -hmm. Yes. They have uh, monthly get-togethers, and I get uh, emails from them, and, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of their meetings are, are really structured around um, pricing and making sure that your clients are paying, how to get your clients to pay uh, fair price for their, your services and so. Yeah, have you ever looked into them? Have you ever attended some of their stuff? Uh, I've gone to their website, read their emails, yeah. Is there something that stopped you from actually giving them a call or meeting with them or sitting down with them? Um, I'm actually somewhat fearful to talk on the phone. Um, so to anybody or just them? To anyone, actually. Really? Apart from family. Okay. Do you know why the phone... I have no idea. ...is a little uncomfortable? Yeah. I have no idea what to say. Oh. Yeah. Do you think that's getting in the way? Probably. Would you be interested in working on that alongside the pricing strategy? work on anything right now. Is there anyone willing to just give Chris a call and have a phone call with him? And so we got one, two, okay. See those in the, over there? You willing to come up and talk to Chris afterwards and give him your phone number? And <clears throat> do you have a hard time answering the phone or do you have a hard time initiating the call? Initiating the call. Okay. If I'm to be honest. Okay. But I'm standing at a church, so I probably should be. <laughs> yes. That might be a good idea. So now we have some more specifics. You guys would be willing to receive a phone call from Chris. 
Okay. You receive, really receive a phone. Thank you very much. So we have some reasons. Do you know where that fear might have come from? I have no idea. I'm not even getting a, a glimmer of an idea. I, I actually don't know. But you have two people to practice that with, and you can start to find out why. The fact that you're up here saying, I, am, I, want, I want to challenge myself in this so I can provide for my family better, so I can provide for myself better. Um, let me ask a quick question real fast here. Do you think Chris is a bad human being because he wants to charge reasonable prices for the services he renders that he's been doing for 15 years? So he might... Okay. Apparently pretty unanimous. You're allowed to charge reasonable prices. Um, podcasts I listen to, again, uh, How I Built This, which I love, one of the strategies I've heard over and over and over again is people actually call up their competitors going, I have this job, can you bid it out for me? So they know exactly what they're being charged for. You can do that, you're allowed to get a bid from anybody so that you start to understand, especially people you admire and you look up to, the work that they've done, so you now know that's what I'm striving for and it gives you a co concrete, tangible benchmark to look for. I've been calling um, or scheduling time with people who do have their own production companies nice. and asking them how they did it. Nice. Very, very good. And you've asked them, how much do you charge? I asked them how they made it to where they are today. Got it. And, and most, have been, most have been forthright in saying where they started and where they're at today. That's and nice. There's a 10x difference. 10x difference. Yeah. Would you like to 10x your as long as I don't have to read that book again. <laughs> there is a book. Yes, there is. Okay. So you have um, one, two, uh, three people that you can talk to here and get some more, the next step in this process. Does that sound okay? Yes. How does it feel standing up here now? My jaw stopped shaking. Nice. Don't go away. That's what happens over and over and over and over again. We live in this little box, okay? And we can stand in this box as long as we just don't go outside those lines, we feel okay. And then pretty soon, something forces us to step over that line. And here's how most people try to grow, okay? This is what usually what they do. Here's the line right here. They go, okay, that was a good experience. I feel really, really, that was, oh, I'm gonna do great. That, that's not how we grow, never. This is what it looks like. Oh, I'm gonna throw up. I hate this. My jaw is shaking, my body's shaking. We've seen some physiological reactions up here, but I'm gonna sit here until my jaw stops shaking and until I feel like I'm gonna stop throwing up right here. And then pretty soon that becomes just as comfortable and now your world just got bigger and you can move around a lot more. There are some individuals who spend their life going, where's the next, oh, here's the next line. And they do this, oh, I hate it. It doesn't stop feeling that way. I hate it. Ugh. Kind of thing. Ugh. Okay, it doesn't kill me, and now I can move this way. And now I have all this room I can move around in. And here's a new line over here and over here until those lines get so far and far apart 
that they can just move through life and they don't bump up against those resistance pieces anymore. It takes them a lot to get to those lines. You're watching people like Chris right now. He just stood over that line and stayed up here for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, until his body stopped. And now he's going to talk to one, two, three people, and his world's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. This is what we're called to live, a life that is expansive, that is full of freedom and not fear. This is step one, or two, or three. This is exciting to watch all of these wonderful people who've been up here today, willing to challenge themselves and grow. Chris, thank you so very much for coming up here. I know that was tough. I have thoroughly enjoyed watching these people come up here. They, again, they're inspiring. Watching people want to change. Not just talk about it, but actually do something about it. They are worthy, worthy of being acknowledged. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.